Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Crazy Rich Asians takes over Hollywood. More on Marusa Fallout. Is Trump starting a race war? Fox News fail. Aretha Franklin disrespected. Plus, are the VMA still relevant? All this and more on Meet the Hollywood Press for August 19th, 2018. I'm Joy Bear, a producer on the show, and now your host of Meet the Hollywood Press, Joseph Kapsch. Happy Sunday, everybody. It is a crazy weekend on Meet the Hollywood Press. And it proves that at the box office, diversity does play. And not that we needed to be reminded of that again. And sexual predators do not. Kevin Spacey. So um, I want to welcome my guest right away so we can jump in because I can't wait to talk about all of the topics we have to talk about. But I want to welcome back. Um, you're becoming a regular, Anita, because the show, you elevate my show. But Anita Bennett is with us. She's Thank the you. creator of Urban Hollywood 411. Mm-hmm. And also joining us is Linda G., television reporter who's uh, doing some freelance work but was formerly with Tracking Board, The Wrap, and what and your own site that you, uh, the up-and-comers. I do have up-and-comers.net, but there you it's go. a little bit outdated. It's a little bit outdated. <laughs> Welcome both to the show. Thank you. That being said, woo, crazy rich Asians. I'm so excited. So it made $25 million at the box office this week in the three-day haul, mm-hmm. and then for the five-day full opening, $34 million for the first day. I want to start with this question. So basically, but do you, okay, in looking at the coverage, this is a celebration of, yet again, a diverse film that should have been made a long time ago and many more after that. So is it sad when you look at the coverage that it's still making, like, um, even insiders are considering this sort of, like, oh, it overperformed or a surprise opening? or so, It's like, what do you feel about that? Well, we see this all the time with movies starring people of color that it overperformed or underperformed, yeah. which brings the question, uh, with the tracking, who are they tracking? And yeah. I would suspect that they are mostly tracking younger white males because this happens time and time again. Exactly. However, I'm just really happy that this movie did well. It was, it's was it been 25 years, yeah. is that right? Yes. 25 years since the Joy Luck Club, which was the last studio movie movie starring in majority or all Asian cast. Asian cast. Yeah. And which we should point out, Linda G here is an enthusiast because <laughs> when I saw her Twitter, um, we used to work together and at a former site and you were so into the movie and I was like, oh my God, I got to get someone that is like really excited <laughs> about this movie for obvious reasons, but we all should be selling. We talked about this, you know, a couple episodes ago just about Black Panther this summer, uh, crazy rotations, but do you think that the success, like, okay, so Hollywood get, does something and then it's like everyone's all about it. Do you, Linda, do you think that the success of this this weekend is going to actually impact the representation of Asian Americans in Hollywood? Well, hopefully. I mean, the director, John M. Chu, he said like, 
there's four movies that are waiting for a green light, waiting for this weekend yeah. to see what happens. They're yeah. just looking for an excuse to say yes or no. If yeah. it does well, four more movies will go into production, we'll get the green light, we'll get the money that it needs yeah. to be made. And then if it underperforms, which thankfully it didn't, yeah. then you know, that's an excuse that Hollywood's gonna say, Well, no one wants to see Asian people. It's interesting. Well, it's interesting because I was reading when I was doing my research on all this. And so the movie going public in America last year, 6% of the movie going in America were Asian. So only mm-hmm. only 6% made up Asians. But then this movie was about 40%, 38 to 48%, depending on which trade. Mm-hmm. 38 uh, to 40%. Box, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for crazy rich Asians. Um, the interesting thing is I feel like it's a chicken and egg situation because then you had Hollywood going, well, only 6% of Asians in America go to the movies, so we don't... Well, they're not going to go to movies that they maybe don't want to relate to or don't see themselves portrayed in roles. I mean, speak to that. Well, there are so many different niche markets, um, and I think every market should have movies that represents them yeah. and their community. So this was not a big-budget movie. It's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. It's done well. Yeah. So let's have more movies like this targeting this market. I went to see the movie yesterday in Burbank, because yeah. um, I missed the screenings, yeah. and um the theater was mostly Asian, so that was, that was a big deal. I've big never deal. seen you know that type of diversity, you know, that many Asians at the theater. The interesting thing, Linda. So, like, when when do you feel though that as as an Asian American, do you feel that that is true? Like that you 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 did like you watch a lot of movies. You're a TV buff, but would you did was it really upsetting to you as you see it, saw not enough representation that you wish there was more like where would you find say entertainment elsewhere then that that you saw it yourself or you related to people more so than the movies and and films that hollywood's been putting out since the dawn of time yeah it's really difficult like we never growing up i never really saw myself on screen yeah i watched all white people on <laughs> screens basically yeah. and it's like that's what's great about sort of this kind of movie. It is targeting... It's not targeting Asians. Like, Asians get to see themselves yes. on screen, which is great and so long overdue. We've been hungry for this kind of content. But it's also a movie that everybody can watch. Like, it's about family. Like, who yeah. doesn't dread meeting yeah. your boyfriend's <laughs> your parents, and, you know? It's yeah. a universal movie, and it doesn't have to just target Asians. Asians. Yeah. Well, that's what I want to see. Like, we're having this conversation in 2018 about breaking through the all-black superhero movie, the all-black girls tri- girls trip movie, and now the Asian rom-com, but it's like, wouldn't it be nice when we get to the point where it's just like, why doesn't everything just transcend? It's just a movie about a, a family. Right. that It's like, for me, that's where I think about Empire. I felt like Empire was one of the few shows that did cross all of mm-hmm. demographics, you know? And it was like, you're just watching a really good drama that had, that was predominantly a black cast, but to me it was like, you could have put any other race in that show, and it would still be a good show. I mean, it might not revolve around, uh, you know, R&B music, but <laughs> it could be country music, you know, if you want to. But, but um, I, I, I think this is a step in the right direction, but I still feel I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, like, pop open the champagne till I see about the four... If I see what's the next step of exactly. all of this. Yeah. I also think, and I want to hear your opinion, both of you, do you think also that there's... Um, it seems to be like the, the 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 groups in Hollywood that are the loudest seem to get the most change. And I refer back to the Scarlett Johansson and the trans community being so loud about that role. Do you think it's just a matter of like maybe that the Asian community hasn't been loud enough 
you know, with making noise about the underrepresentation, could that also play into all of this, you know, lack of uh, fare with Asians featured? Yeah, I definitely think there's a cultural thing. I mean, Asians were brought up to be sort of very polite, very, you know, not submissive, but I feel like that's how people kind of see us. So when we do make noise, it feels like people think it's easy to just ignore it. There's so much whitewashing, especially for Asian characters. They're like, it's okay if we cast a white character. Like, Asians aren't going to make that big of a deal out of it. Yeah. And it's only in the last few years that people have been like, oh, no, they're, they're mad. They're yeah, not going to... They're, 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 they're over they're this. Over like, this. you cannot keep doing this to us. What, what do you think about that? I agree with you 200%. Yeah. Uh, what was the movie Hellboy, where there was this whole yes, whitewashing yes, yes, uh, yeah. controversy? So I did a story on that a couple of years ago, like two years ago, yeah. and I interviewed some Asian activists, and they said, traditionally, in our community, mm-hmm. we don't speak out about these things, particularly about entertainment, but now we're finding our voice. And yeah. and they said to me, black people have traditionally, African Americans, been very vocal on these issues, and we're kind of we're following their lead, yeah. and it yeah. makes a difference. So, yeah. you know, hooray for the Asian community! I'm happy this movie did well. I want to see more movies like this. I also want to mention, though, just as like being a person, all three of us that have worked in Hollywood, though, it is also just like an institutional problem, also because mm-hmm. you know Asian, pro- like how many um, Asians are running studios, exactly. are running yeah. TV yeah. networks, are running divisions that make these decisions. It all starts again. Too many white straight men running, you know, exactly. Hollywood that make the <laughs> or too many white agents and managers. It's like it's not just that. I think that it's not the public that won't mm-hmm. go see these right. movies. It's the people deciding. What to green light? Yeah, I mean, I exactly. think that it's got to still be fixed there. Okay, well, just because every celebration has to have like a skunk at the garden party. <laughs> so there was like one article I could find today that, of course, in all of like this, like this is a win, everybody. It's a win. Like, you know, uh, yeah. a, a funny movie, well-produced, well-directed movie with an, with an almost all-Asian cast did well at the box office and of course then I see this article that's like but it didn't represent all Asians oh, what, I do could, you, what do we say to that I have so much to say about that Please, it's one movie yeah. uh, I feel like Roger Ebert said this at the Sundance Film Festival yeah. when there was that whole controversy with Better Luck Tomorrow Justin Lin's little indie film that was kind of a breakthrough for us Yeah, um, you would never ask a white filmmaker to defend his film having to represent the entire diverse experience of an entire race. And by the way, Asians are the most populous race on the planet. There's like 7 billion of us. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like there's, it's one movie, it's a rom-com, it's never gonna represent everybody, nor should it, nor should it have that responsibility. I almost read it like, it was like saying like, if like a movie came out and it was based on say like a family based in Texas you're like but it didn't represent like the urban uh, <laughs> right, white people exactly. like what are you supposed to say like I, yeah you I, I would like, never even ask that question I literally yeah. was wondering like did the editors and writers just go we need to write a contrarian piece <laughs> yeah. what could we write that's like contrarian yeah. everyone's celebrating it we have to write something opposite what did you think of that uh, I mean to me it's a little ludicrous so we could say that about movies about people living on the coast well those movies don't represent yeah. people who live in the south and Every day, there's different types of movies about different subjects. So yeah, when I saw the headline, I got taken in, and then I was like, "Yeah, no, no. (laughs) you tried." Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I feel like John M. Chu really did try to put as much you know, people of different experiences in there. In it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would need like another eight hours to include all the. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, well, congrats to Warner Brothers and uh, the cast of the movie and, and John Chu on this win. So let's see what happens next in Hollywood. We better get the sequels. Yes. There's three books, so there's at least two more movies. Oh, and you've read them all? Yeah, I've read them okay. all. Okay, wow. yeah. I'm yeah. impressed. <laughs> so next, uh, unhinged a, a insider's account <laughs> of the White House, Omarosa, the sequel. Oh, oh, boy. Last week we talked about it, and I knew this was going to be my new Roseanne. Omarosa was going to be oh, in our no. show for a couple <laughs> weeks. And so, and now the New York Times reporting this week that there allegedly is up to like 200 tapes. So, um, Anita, what do you think? Who do you think Omarosa is harming more at this point? Of course, um, ask me that. Trump? No, Trump. <laughs> Trump? <laughs> Trump or her own credibility? What credibility? <laughs> I mean, I I'm just beyond words. Uh, you know, Omarosa mm-hmm. was painted as the villain in The Apprentice, and now we see she is a real-life villain. <laughs> However, a lot of people welcome what she's done because it's just reinforcing what we already knew. Yes. Um, what did she say? Everyone in the White House lies, and she had to protect herself. And I heard lots of lies this morning from Rudy Giuliani on Ooh. MSNBC. The so. truth isn't the truth. <laughs> it's not the truth. Um, but my, my question is, Omarosa was in her job as communications director director uh, for the Office of Public Liaison at the White House for a year. She allegedly, supposedly made over about 200 recordings. When the heck does she have time to work? (laughs) Yeah, good question. Good question. Yeah, what was she there doing? It's like she was already preparing for her book while she was still in the White House. Exactly. Recording. Well, I also think that she... so, So then I asked this. Do we think, though, that Trump met his match in her? Because I feel like, do we think she, that Omarosa outsmarted Trump? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I mean, what, I've heard three recordings. I've heard um, her firing for, by John Kelly, which is <laughs> yeah. pretty shocking that he fired her in the Situation, situation Room. room. Mm-hmm. And then what was the second recording? <laughs> oh, it was the one about Lara Trump, the uh, daughter-in-law, mm-hmm. calling oh, the, the her harsh yeah, to basically that, yeah. be like, yeah, like, oh, what we're thinking like, and by the way, can we talk about that she made $179,000 to do <laughs> outreach that we don't know who she reached out to in the entire year. <laughs> um, so, and she, she um, they were like, oh, we're thinking fifteen grand a month, but you know, you're going to have to be kind, that recording. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. And then there was, um, it wasn't Trump, there? the phone yeah. call from Trump, <laughs> where he claimed he didn't know that she had been fired. Yes. And then that she was powerless to stop it. Exactly. Like he, he can't. He, oh, I wish there was something I could do about this. Oh this is above my pay grade. Above my pay grade. But I could. But I could yeah. ship everybody's security clearances. Yeah. But I didn't know you were fired. I oh mean, my god! Just those three recordings raised so many questions. Who is running the White House? Because Kelly's like, I'm in charge, and Trump is like, Well, there's a lot of people running things. <laughs> It's it's so it's, many questions. it's ran by committee, I think. Um, so you know, the clown car pulls up and then they they pile out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that's no. who's running our country, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so pulling it back into Omarosa because it, it, that was too easy. I'm sorry, but um, she was on the interview with Al Sharpton on MSNBC's Politics Nation, and she actually went as far now to say. Trump is trying to, she she believes Trump is trying to start a race war on the country and that she, after he called her um, a lowlife and a dog, 
she was trying to tie that into like that that was racial. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's called lots of women pigs. Dog. Like, I yeah. mean, I, I I don't necessarily think that calling her a dog. I think it's like you dirty dog. Like, you, it could be either way with him. You know, he's of another generation. But she did say now she went as far to say he's trashed the office of presidency and now seeing it all firsthand that um, he's unfit to serve. Um, my question is. Do you, for her to have preemptively went in and needed to tape this, do you think, like, she absolutely already knew his character and it was just an opportunity that, like, I'm not passing up working in the White House. You know, I'm Omarosa. I need to do this. I mean, that's a lot of speculation, but she has known him since 2004. They met on his show, The Apprentice. I think she knows him very, very well. Um, I think Omarosa is a very smart woman. She knew what she was getting into. She basically got a job paying $179,000 that didn't require a lot of work. No. And you know what? She is going to be filthy rich thanks to the book, uh, her appearance on Celebrity um, Celebrity Big Brother. Yes. And my question that hasn't I haven't seen this raised in the media is how much did NBC pay for these recordings? Because typically in news you don't major organizations don't pay for interviews and con- interviews. However, these these morning shows like GMA Today, yeah. they get around that by paying for licensing mm-hmm. of video and pictures. Now, right. Omarosa is only releasing these recordings on in, on NBC entities. Yes, it's there's, definitely her. Like, yeah, yeah there's, feels like there's a deal there. I, yeah. It certainly feels like there's a deal, and I think it's a big money deal. Because <laughs> NBC doesn't have enough problems that they should. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing is, is that this is she's kind of like a symbol of this administration that they will do anything to enrich themselves just mm-hmm. a little bit and who cares if the entire country goes up in flames. She doesn't care if Trump is fit for office or not. It just this is what suits her narrative her. Mm-hmm. and her wallet at this moment when when she went to work for him, that's what suited her at that moment. Yeah. It has nothing to do with whether she really believes I don't think she cares. I mean it's gonna and I can't wait for the she, HBO series unhinged. Yeah oh. she's saying he's a racist now. Yeah. Well why did it take you so long exactly. to figure that out? You know I was at the Black Journalist Association National Association of Black Journalists Convention um, two years ago, and she spoke. It was a hot mess, and she was taken to task um, on stage, and she defended Trump to the very Uh, end against a group of black journalists. So there was no concern back then about him being racist. Now, suddenly, that she's making a buck, there's all this concern. Exactly. Yeah, it's almost like you want to know. So what was the line? What was the deal breaker for you? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, all right. Well, you don't think she's stopping anytime soon, right? There's more tape. She's there's 197 more recordings. So. But like, is there anything better than what she's already released? Of course, they just they keep getting. You think there's yeah, they leading keep up to getting bigger? better. Okay. And <coughs> apparently, me. she's uh, going to cooperate with Mueller and his investigation. So it. I also just saw another piece of reporting that was saying in the book she. Um, did say that Melania absolutely does communicate messages through all the clothing and all the, the, the sort of things that have went, you know, like with the shoes and the don't screw with me or don't, uh, you mm-hmm. know, all of that. She says, claims in her book that that is Melania. She also said, claims in her book that Trump says he'll deport Melania if, if she divorces him. Yeah, I, I read all those things. Uh, what a uh, passive aggressive way to express yourself. Between the Michael Wolf book and this one, I'm just trying to think like, you know, like whose book Looks like more like crazier. I just I don't even know. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. That's the better word. 
Okay, well, she's the gift that keeps giving from our standpoint, though. I will say, Amorosa, keep releasing them tapes, please, girl. You keep going. <laughs> okay, next now, moving on to um, some, okay, Fox News. By the way, rest in peace. We want to just take a moment to say Aretha Franklin, the legendary singer, um, passed this week. And obviously, like, tributes broke out online. Everyone was honoring her. Music legends were on air talking about her. And then Fox News, um, you know, had to uh, report her death. And they proceeded to put up a graphic that was like an in-memoriam graphic. And then it had Patti LaBelle's picture in the back. I want to... Because, of course. If this... Of I course do that know, We know this because we've worked in, like, live news, right? Do those kinds of... Okay. Mistakes can happen with a Chiron being spelt wrong. I think... I think if it was any other network, I would say, do you, is this just a human mistake, or is this sort of a part of the larger problem that Fox News is accused with, with who they are hiring, the messaging? On, it, it just, I, I want to know your thoughts on that. Is it a simple human mistake? I just found or, yeah. so troubling. As a journalist, first of all, news broke on Sunday evening that she was, quote-unquote, gravely ill on Roger Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So they had Sunday Monday. Four days to prepare whatever obits that they had. For my site, I started writing something on Sunday night. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This points to a larger problem of an acute lack of diversity at Fox News. Someone could not tell the difference between Aretha Franklin and Patty LaBelle. Oh, they both look alike. Okay, <laughs> that's it. It's just very troubling. It's the so sloppiness troubling. is troubling. Not distinguishing between the two legendary singers is troubling. troubling yeah. The lack of preparation is troubling. It's just, yeah. it's an epic fail. Uh, it, and they issued an apology. They did issue an apology, but it's like too little, too late. I, I just, I feel no. like, but brings me to my next question, though. Was the apology enough? Or is this just like, people are always going to pile on Fox when they make mistakes that have like uh, racial, you know, racial undertones and racial sort of uh, themes involved here. I will say I'm not surprised that this happened at Fox News. Yeah, it is. It's troubling on a journalism level because who vets their graphics? Like, there's usually, like, you know, someone puts it together, someone, mm-hmm, and right. someone passes. So did the final producer at the top that, like, was looking at all of the stuff that was going on air not catch that? Like, yeah. oh, it's her? Yeah, that's her. <laughs> yeah. Nobody double-checked anything. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to ask another question, you know, on the site of uh, objectivity. Do you think the liberal media, though, is too harsh on Fox News in their um, criticism? Like, even if Fox News, no benefit of the doubt whatsoever. Because mm-hmm. everyone jumped on this mistake. And the really memes did. were over, over the top. Did you see the meme where Rachel, they put Rachel Dolezal and, and said Aretha that. Franklin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The memes are off the charts. Hilarious. And now it's like Mr. Butter, Mrs. Butterworth, Syrup, Aretha Franklin, Dad, Fox News. Do you I think did. that liberal media is too harsh? This is a, a tough question because I try to sample all the news networks to see what's being said. Same here, you have to. And, um, I mean, MSNBC definitely leans toward the left. Fox leans very heavily to the right. Yeah. What I find the most troubling about Fox News is I'll, you know, I'll know the story because I'm a journalist. And their questions to their panel of experts are all very leading. They specifically want you know, it's like they have an agenda. Yeah. Case in point, there was a story a few weeks ago, the National Association of Black Journalists named, um, I don't know how to say her name, Jamila Hill. Jamil Hill. Jamil Hill. They're a journalist Jam- Jam- of the Jamila year. Jamila Hill. Jamila Hill. Yeah. Okay. So, 
Fox brought on an expert, a young African-American gentleman who clearly is not an a expert. working black journalist. <laughs> he didn't know the name of the organization. He he botched the name of the group. But but he he did exactly what no. Fox <laughs> He did exactly what Fox wanted. He bashed NABJ. He bashed this journalist and said, "Oh, she's unemployed and they shouldn't be nominating or oh so it just it was wrong on every level and it's like, why didn't you get someone credible, credible. who knows these issues?" So Every time I turn on Fox News, I see things like this. Yes. I just want Fox to do better. I, and I also had a lot of hope that when the, the sons were taking over that they really wanted after mm-hmm. all of the controversy and the scandal with uh, um, Ailes, that they were going to really think about like changing a little bit. But it's their bread and butter. Rupert Murdoch. You know that audience yeah. has alarming stats that I was just reading into, too? It's like like something like... I think, like, in the 90% like white audience. It's like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It, and they don't want facts. They don't want truth. They don't want journalism. But you have, like, pl- Laura Ingraham on there spouting literal <laughs> Nazi rhetoric on air, and they don't care. Which is interesting, too, because even, like, in this show being a show that is commentary on the news, but there, it, you can't rap, you can't just say whatever you want and, and wrap it in opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, though, we're commentating on the news, but on factual news. Right. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. So we're giving commentary and people and experts and journalists are coming on here, but we're not giving incorrect information. I think that that's where it falls apart for me. Yeah. Poor yeah. Shep Smith's trying to hold it up for all of them, too. They use him. I know. They're like, look at Shep Smith. He's See, still on the, Yeah, he's still here. We're but a real... Shep's, Shep's good. We're a real news organization. We're fair and bad. <laughs> oh man. Okay, well Fox. Until the next until the next big fail. Those memes were enjoyable though, let me tell you. <laughs> okay. So I want to get to this because I'm actually I actually don't know the answer to how I feel about it, but it was more like the VMAs are tomorrow night mm-hmm. on MTV. I had no idea they were tomorrow. That's, okay, thank <laughs> I you. I didn't either. Neither did I. <laughs> okay, so it brought when I was doing the show and I was doing research for like what do we want to cover, I was like how do I not? The only thing I seen was like in a, a Sean Mendez ad on his own Instagram mm-hmm. that he was performing. I'm like, so it brought me to the reminded me of the Adam Levine every year when the nominations comes out. Adam Levine from Room Five basically rails on the VMAs and says like they're so useless, they're so irrelevant. So do we think that they're relevant anymore? I think they are much less relevant than they were (laughs) 10 years ago because MTV doesn't really play music videos. Um, You know, they have all these reality shows. But also, you know, you have to bring up the fact that none of us are their target demo. We're all... We're not. We're We're all too old. But millennials aren't even... Like, millennials aren't really empty. Like, I feel like VH1, for instance, is our... Like, well, you're a little bit young. But our demo is VH1. It's like, it's the Facebook demo that Mm -hmm. watches VH1. So it's interesting because they're trying to target, like, the YouTube millennial crowd and even younger than that. But they're not watching... uh, Like, you think Jersey Shore was young? kids watching it was all the the fans that came back to yeah. watch them yeah. from the last time which is 10 years ago i just think to me it's troubling that it used to be this like iconic pop and here's the thing from a business perspective i understand why the vmas are still on it makes the network a fortune okay yeah. but from a i think i'm talking on a level of more like on a pop culture i feel like it's sad to see how it used to be such a pop culture iconic sort of yeah. show every year mm-hmm. and i can't remember the last time it created like a moment that was like a buzzworthy moment, a buzzworthy moment. Yeah. i mean part of the problem too is there are just so many award shows of people's choice the team's choice the vmas it's like yeah. I, it's hard to keep them straight straight yes but you know on the flip side 
I we'll have to we'll have to watch the ratings. I want to watch the ratings. The ratings. And see. But on the flip side, these shows do make a fortune. Uh, yes. They're going to be in New York City this year. Um, yeah. And they were previously held here. Um, and the New York mayor put out a statement a couple of months ago when they announced that this show brings in generates fifty million in economic activity. That's a lot of a lot a of, lot of cheddar. Yeah, a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm too old to talk like that. But anyway, um, that's a lot of money. So yeah. these shows are not going away. They're not. And I just I just found it to be, I'm so glad that you two just basically in the first though. Because I did, when I found out, I had to take a friend of mine who is a producer mm-hmm. at ET to the airport this morning because he's covering it. And I was like, the VMAs are tomorrow night. <laughs> now, granted, I'm not running a daily news site at the moment, but it's like, I didn't see anything. No. I'm like, no one's talking Nobody's about talking it. It's not about even it. like, what to expect. I haven't seen one article come through my my uh, inbox that's like, what's to expect at the VMAs? Yeah. I'll tell you what to expect. Nothing. Yeah. That's it. And you're watch. like a news junkie, so if you're yeah, see it, not then see- like, so I'm glad that I just want to make sure I wasn't so like like behind my game this week on news that, but you were like there tomorrow. So thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Listen, MTV- we could get blasted on Twitter later by all the young kids. <laughs> oh, we totally who are, are. Like, they're gonna be like, what do they know? <laughs> they're like, we're, we're so excited about now. We're so Mendes. excited. Which, by the way, I love Shawn Mendes and some of the performers, but I still just think as a whole, it's like. The VMAs, it's just like used to be like this. Like everyone in yeah. the industry yeah. was preparing for the VMAs. Now it's like some of these shows that covered have to like beg, like, can I go to cover the VMAs? We're like, we're not really going to beg for no, you no. to go there. <laughs> well, but I've read that Cardi B is supposed to make her big return after giving birth. So she's going to be on the show. That's the so, buzz. I think that yeah. she could be the surprise opening, possibly, because mm-hmm. I don't think they yeah. ever tell you who's um, opening mm. the show. Okay, well, God bless. I'll her. watch for They're that. also honoring uh, uh, J Lo. Yeah, she's J Lo's the vanguard, okay. which again because the 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 I saw then criticism about her because they're basically trying to say like yes she's been this um, iconic sort of pop um, singer, but like when you think about her video archive, so again it it plays into this idea like you knew that like Madonna was known for like extravagant big video, Michael Jackson was known like mm-hmm. but you're like some of these other artists now it's just like. But Pink got criticism, which I love Pink. But they were basically saying like her her music's good, but her videos were nothing mm-hmm. like like crazy and special. But every year they were going to find something to complain about. But all right, well we'll pray for the VMAs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to move on to our segment because Anita actually um, everybody has a really good um, some really good information. She interviewed Bobby Brown. So in this segment of our show that we call Overheard Hollywood, I give our um, guest panelists uh, time to tell us a little something they're working on or a little scoop they heard mm-hmm. in the field or just anything they want to tell the audience maybe to look for this week on television or anything else. So mm-hmm. tell us about your Bobby interview. So I sat down with Bobby Brown a couple of months ago uh, to talk about the Bobby Brown story, the upcoming BET biopic. It was an interesting interview. You know, Bobby, he's, he says he's changed. Yeah. Um, he was known as the bad boy of R&B. There were a lot of drugs involved, and yeah. that's, you know, it's not allegedly, it's been, it's, you know, yeah. uh, drugs involved, women, he has seven children by, I think, three different women. Wait a minute, is that is that now new, like, or it's like, that's been, is that <laughs> that's been known. new? That's, that's known. That's known, Joseph. I didn't even, seven <laughs> children total. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, 
you know, Bobby, I said, are they going to sugarcoat this? Because, <laughs> you know, you have an interesting story. And he said, quote, I can't hide who I am. He's a producer in the film. Yeah. Um, I try to stay original with everything I do. So that should be interesting. Now, there have been, um, he told me that the most difficult part of this was watching the actors relive some of the heartbreaking moments of his life. Yeah. Um, his daughter, Bobby Christina Brown, died. Brutal. Um, three years ago. So sad. Um, it's been three years. It's, wow. Yeah, wow. in 2015. So that that's really heartbreaking. Yeah. And he actually, he said he could not go on set the days that he knew they would be shooting some of these things. So yeah. if you want to see more about this, head to Urban Hollywood 411 for more. But um, yeah. what's, what's interesting is that Bobby has been accused of uh, domestic violence uh, when he was married to Whitney Houston. And his his current wife, uh, Alicia Etheridge, Alicia Etheridge Brown, who's a producer on this series, said yeah. that he's been accused of a lot of things he didn't do. Um, but you were at TCA. Yeah, so when you say he's saying I can't hide who I am, <laughs> I'm a little bit like, really, Bobby Brown? Because I was at TCA. Um, it was last earlier this month. It hasn't been that long. And he was there promoting this movie. And he got a little bit (laughs) crazy. (laughs) On the stage? Like when someone tried to ask him about the domestic abuse. Yeah. Alleged. I, I don't guess it's not alleged because the police was called. Let's just be safe up. for our purposes. Yeah, allegations of domestic abuse, yeah. and he just said they never happened. He just said, and someone said, "Well, there were nine one one calls," and he said, "No, there were no nine one one calls." Even though nine one one calls are public record, there were articles written about it at the time. There are recordings of these nine one one calls. It's public record, and he said the public record is wrong. I think it's one of those things where like, people that have had troubled past, there's a lot that you're willing to come forward about, but there's something on like that the public though doesn't like like when you beat women, not yeah. good. Rapists, not good. Molester, like there's. I think it's just like he, it's a line. Like he'll cop to the drug use, he'll cop to the right. too many women, he'll cop to. But it's like, do I really want to go down as like I beat Whitney Houston, like iconic. Whitney Houston. Yeah. Like, it's just insane that he was sitting there with a straight face just saying, no, that never happened. Like, in a room full of journalists who are like, we have proof, We have right? proof right yeah, here. Yeah, we're journalists. Do, do people keep pushing his buttons on it? I mean, yeah, someone asked the question and then someone else tried to follow up and then that's when he was like, the public record is wrong and then they were like, this panel is <laughs> over. <laughs> truth it. isn't the truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Truth isn't the truth. You should get together with Rudy Giuliani. You can say and, whatever you want these yeah. days. I should correct myself. I know he has seven children. I don't know how many women. And it's either three or four. So he was busy in the eighties then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was such a talent, though. I sometimes look at the Bobby Brown, um, de- the decline of Bobby Brown, and in some ways reminds me of Chris Brown in the sense that, like, Chris Brown to me was poised. And Chris Brown, by the way, I love his music, and he has a successful money-making career still, but he was poised to sort of be like the heir apparent, people would say, to Michael Jackson at the time when he came out. And he really had that kind of charisma, and it reminds me of that. And it's just, it's sad when you see any kind of, like, talent like that sort of tarnished in their career. Linda, do you have anything overheard in Hollywood for us? And our oh, listeners? what I want people to check out? Anything. Well, it's this hashed- is your This is your 30 seconds of, of, uh, of fame right now. So- not 30 seconds. <laughs> a minute. A minute. We'll give you a minute. Uh, well, it's hashtag Asian August. It's not just crazy rich Asians. There's so much good Asian content out there right now. I just yeah. want everybody to check out To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is the breezy summer teen rom-com. Okay. Amazing uh, movie that's on Netflix. Netflix, it just came yeah. out 
last night. Okay. Everybody should go watch it. It's like an instant pick me up. It'll make you smile. Um, Searching, starring John Cho, is coming out the twenty fourth okay. in select theaters, mm-hmm. and then everywhere on the thirtieth. And then there's a great documentary on Hulu from a Chinese director uh, called Mining the Gap. It's about these young skateboarders in like the Rust Belt and like, oh, how nice. they grow up and like how their lives. And that's on Hulu. Hulu. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, there's you so covered much- all the bases. Yeah. There. Wow. They're all out there. Nice, Linda. So after you see Crazy Rich Asians, go out and check out all the other amazing Asian filmmakers. Thank you. Doing great things. I have to say, I love that Netflix is bringing back the rom com. Oh my gosh! It like goes to show you, it's like there is an audience for it. You know, I've loved the other one. I'm. It's escaping me. It was set it up. Yes, I loved it. Set it up was was amazing. Set it up was good. (laughs) It was really good. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you both of you, Anita and Linda, for joining us uh, this week. I just want to tell the audience really quickly where you can find Meet the Hollywood Press. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, it's all at Meet the Hollywood Press, except for Twitter is at Meet HW. Wait, Meet the. HWD <laughs> Press because for some reason someone stole that name I don't know how but they did so I'm working <laughs> on that with Twitter <laughs> anyway thank you for watching join us next week for another episode where we uh, tear into uh, the most the newest Hollywood topics and thank you for listening thank you for watching Executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.